Thank you for joining us today for TEDCO Talks, a new series featuring thought leaders in economic development from across the state of Maryland. Join TEDCO CEO, Troy Lamel Stovall, in thought-provoking conversations with regional leaders about the future of Maryland's innovation ecosystem. In this episode, Troy is joined by Amy Millman of Springboard Enterprises. Listen now to learn more about Amy and the role she plays in supporting Maryland and DC's entrepreneurial ecosystem. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone has had a super, super week. Um, here we are in the middle of February. And uh, wanted to, again, uh, my name's Troy Lamel Stovall, the CEO and Executive Director uh, for Maryland's TechCo. And I, I couldn't be, I've had a lot of chance to meet some great folks in our TechCo talks. But uh, I, I have to honestly say today, I'm honored to be able to talk to someone that's truly a change maker, someone who's really making a difference in the lives, and particularly of women, but making lives and how people think about of the role and impact that in particular women can have uh, in, 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 our, in our work and in our world and entrepreneurship. Uh, Amy Millman, uh, it's a pleasure, uh, with Springboard's pleasure to have you here on TEDCO Talks today. It's so great to be here. You know, I'm a, I'm a died and true Marylander and, uh, yes. and excited to see what's been going on at TEDCO and what's been going on in the community and uh, glad to be on today with you. Thank you, thank you. Well, Amy, let's just start out with, uh, let's do have a little fun uh, to start out with. Um, you know, we're in the middle of COVID here and uh, still like you, you and I discussed, we're probably gonna be in this for a minute. So what's been the, the, the go-to thing to kind of keep you occupied uh, as you, as you kind of navigate your way through COVID? Uh, you know, it, it, when I used to, you know, back in the day, you know, a year ago, um, As a B, I call it BC before B, COVID. BC before, before COVID, I was on an uh, you know intimate relationship with all of the airline, uh, all the airports uh, in the in the area, uh, and and spending a lot of time not here, uh, um, but everywhere around the globe. Uh, you know, meeting entrepreneurs and our communities and all our network and everywhere, which was pretty exciting. But now I get to do it from home. Um, <laughs> so again, be in the place that I love to be um, most of all, and yet still connect with people all over the globe mm -hmm. um, in a 24-7 in a uh, world. So it... Um, you know, things haven't changed very much for me, except that I don't have to get on a plane. Have you had, have you picked up any new habit or hobby to, you know, that you now maybe have a little bit more time to do, <laughs> given that you're not traveling as much? Well, actually I, I acquired, you know, instead of having grandchildren around because my kids live in Los Angeles, um, I acquired a dog. So we call them the COVID, the COVID pets. Uh, I think everybody in the neighborhood uh, in Maryland has a dog now, and uh, we acquired one uh, that keeps uh, keeps me busy when I'm not uh, zooming. What kind of dog? Well, it's it's a good question. He's a big one now. Uh, wasn't so big when I first got him. Uh, it was a transplant from Oklahoma, uh, and. Uh, you know, cute little thing that is now about 50 pounds and, uh, oh. and eats us out of house and home. But, uh, you know, it, it definitely is, uh, is a fun, a fun sideline. 
So is he going? It was a he or she? It's a he, definitely. Is, is, is he going to make a visit during the, while we're taping here? Is he going to make? Is he going to make a visit while we're? <laughs> he, he's always getting his face into one of the Zoom calls. Oh, I love always. it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, look, Amy, um, let's let, won't you tell a lot of folks may not know, obviously, about you, but more importantly, Springboard and the great work mm -hmm. that you do with Springboard. So why don't you tell folks a little bit about your journey uh, and obviously about Springboard? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I came to Washington right after college and with an idea of being involved with with Congress, like everybody else, come to Washington, either international relations or you're going to be you know, doing policy or lobbying or whatever. And I did, that's what I did. I, I ended up lobbying for a large corporation for many years and other trade associations and things. And then I was, um, I was introduced to a federal commission on women's business ownership, something I knew absolutely nothing about. And um, they said, no, they need an executive director for this federal commission, um, you should do this. And I thought, well, you know, it's now or never. And so I took on this and that was it. You know, I was hooked uh, finding small business people and trying to understand their interests and, you know, what makes them tick and why they would go do this when they could have gotten a job somewhere and, uh, you know, and waited for them to get the watch and the, and, and the retirement <laughs> and, and then found that I never want to be around anybody else, but those who are starting businesses, building businesses, um, until I met this group in California at the end of the 90s. And they were all tech entrepreneurs, you know, building something that almost didn't exist at this point. And I said, that's it. You know, I'll, I'll follow them wherever they go and see what I can do to pave the way or help them open a door. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm just a connector. You know, I, you know, lobbyists are people who make connections based on interests. And so I use that, you know, that skill that I developed for 20 years uh, to support entrepreneurs, um, you know, who are creating something out of whole cloth. And uh, it's pretty exciting. It is exciting. And so a springboard. So talk a little bit more what springboard does and, 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 and what you do there at springboard. Mm -hmm. So we're, uh, you know, we call ourselves an accelerator, but we're really an expert network. Mm -hmm. um, we started, we're a nonprofit. Um, and, and everyone says, why did you do that? You know, if you're doing business. And I said, because in the early days, 2000, anybody who was a for-profit working with entrepreneurs was pretty much out of business when the market crashed. And so with the support of the Kauffman Foundation uh, that I had developed a relationship prior, um, we said, you know, we think that there's a market that hasn't been addressed and that is companies led by women in the tech space. And we then we just happened to have all the right, you know, resources to be able to help, you know, those types of companies in the early days and learn with them. Uh, and a bunch of folks in Silicon Valley that we knew um, that were pretty influential um, gave us space and support and said, sure, you know, we'll help you find the entrepreneurs and we'll help you get them funded. And 
so we started this program, a forum program, uh, with a bunch of people that were interested in in the space. And we said, all right, let's see if we can find a couple of women-led companies. We found hundreds and hundreds, thousands actually. And uh, the ones that we selected to work with uh, all got funded. And then the market crashed. <laughs> And, and everyone said, well, I guess you're out of business. You'll go do something else, back to lobbying or whatever. And I said, no, I think entrepreneurship is always in season. And so we should see what else is happening in the rest of the country. So we came to the DMV. And AOL was at the heyday in those, those days. And we found about 50 companies, all led by women, in the tech and life science space. And and Steve Case gave us his space out in uh, Ashburn, and and we and most of them got funded. Uh, and then we went to Boston to Harvard and and found another several hundred companies and showcased about twenty five there, and they got funded. And uh, and then we thought, God, we know how to do this. <laughs> and and so the so the interesting part of all of this is. Uh, you know, we found entrepreneurs everywhere now, all over the planet. We do programs in Australia and our companies are number about 820 or so now, um, wow. in the portfolio, 21 of them, actually 22 now are public companies and, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, they've raised you know, in total with uh, IPO sales and venture, angel investments, family offices, about uh, $27 billion and um, going, still going strong. Our, our most recent uh, uh, acquisition um, was a company called Ask Bio from North Carolina. They're a gene therapy company sold to Bayer for $4 billion value um, just in December. So, uh, we're feeling really good. And we've been watching that company for 15 years and working with them. So that was a big uh, celebration for us. Um, but, you know, all of the companies, we also do a fashion tech program um, uh, that works with a lot of the fashion and retail big wigs. And, uh, and it's, it's a connection um, opportunity. We're connecting people to to partners and investors and and uh, experts who can help you on your journey. Well, well, wow, a lot of things. But like I said at the beginning, change makers. So thank you for all you've done. I mean, twenty-seven billion. That's that's a real number. That's a real impact. Um, I'm sure within all of that, there, there's got to be one or two just great <laughs> stories you you could tell. If you got one 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 top of mind that comes. <laughs> I have 820 of them. I, I, was, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you know, I think about, you know, since I've been, I'm the co-founder, you know, I've been there from the beginning. Um, the interesting, you know, I, I guess the one of the original interesting stories was Zipcar. Huh? Um, when we met Zipcar, um, Robin Chase had just come back from a trip from uh, from Europe where she and, and a friend of hers had figured this out, that this is a good opportunity. She lived up in Cambridge where, you know, uh, you know, space to park your car was very, very difficult. 
And so, um, you know, started this out. And I remember very distinctly, there was nobody interested in that space. Everybody had a car and everybody had access to a rental car. Mm-hmm. And, and she got nothing for several years until we actually introduced her to folks at the George Washington University that said, our students need, they can't afford taxis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cars when you want them is perfect. Let's put a couple on campus. And then that introduced her to other opportunities where instead of buying a fleet, you could actually have a zip car there. Yes. And, um, and that was the beginning of the change of Zipcar, which actually created this whole idea of car sharing. Car sharing, um, exactly correct. Oh, that so was a great. That, that, that was one. The, the way the way you just told that story, and you know, and I and I say this as well. You know, when you think of women, when you think of you know blacks, um, we see markets and we see opportunities. Let's just be blunt that the the, the, the mm-hmm. white male man may not see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's the, the, but they have the money. And so how do you have to, and so I guess I'd like to hear you talk about to, to our audience and to our listeners, particularly women, um, you know, how they take this lens that they see differently than mm-hmm. the rest of the world sees and how they get someone to see their lens. Mm-hmm. There was a great story. There's a, a woman from New York. Um, her name was Ellie Guggenheimer, very, a big socialite in New York City. And um, she was invited to serve on a, um, you know, and and not a professional, but a a philanthropist. Mm -hmm. Um, She was invited to sit on this committee where they were building a low-income housing um, uh, uh, group in in lower Manhattan. And they decided they would put, it would be wonderful to put it up on a hill, you know, (laughs) to create a hill and put this big, you know, and, and she said, you know, and they were all excited. They brought the whole architectural, you know, plans and everything out there. And she said, no, because that means that when they come back from the grocery store, they're going to have to walk up that hill with the kids and the groceries. This is wrong to make them having walk up the hill in order to get to their apartment. Mm-hmm. It never occurred to the guys because and they would probably be parking in the parking garage <laughs> and have, or their driver come and pick them up. And, exactly. and so, but that was very impactful for me to realize that what you needed from different people with different perspectives to talk about innovative opportunities and what's right. And so, you know, a couple of years ago, we started to realize, you know, look at who got funded from certain sectors in the life science space. And none of our entrepreneurs who had focused on women or women's health or, or health for particular minorities or ethnic um, uh, ethnicities um, were not getting funded. Mm-hmm. And that means that no, and so we went to all the pharmaceutical companies, you know, investor groups, and we said, they said, well, it's not really a, a market for us. And we said, it's because there's no data. Nobody ever really looked at it. It wasn't personal to those fellows who were investing. They didn't see it. And we said, we're going to bring you, you know, information that will inform this as a business opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. And so we started a whole women's health 
group that said, you know, here's the enormity of this market that you're missing. And so bring it to people that could see how they could collaborate on innovation. And then the investors get interested um, when they see there is a potential market, you know, a large potential market. But before that, you know, I, we see them all over the place. But the investors and, and the big pharmaceutical companies, device companies did not see it as a business opportunity. So, and I'm probably, it's probably the same question, but you know, when I hear you talk about 27 billion and, and 800 companies, 22 publics, I mean, th those are real metrics, those are real successes. Yet, you know, the numbers probably even better than I do. I think I saw, you know, less than 5% of, of venture mm -hmm. funding has gone to, you know- All right, 2%. To, you know, yeah. Less was, for women of color. Exactly. And, and so these, these there's a, in my mind, there's just this disconnect, right, between the success that you're showing and even I can talk about some of the stuff we've shown in Tedco as some successes in Tedco. Mm -hmm. Those successes, well, you look at this broader metric that mm -hmm. the, the needle isn't getting moved. You know, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it, you know, 51% of the population are women. You know, you'd think that they would, they would have, you know, a significant amount. But you have to think about culture and you have to think about how far we've come. And yes, as we always say, there's so much more to do. But honestly, you know, it hasn't been that long that, mm -hmm. you know, women and people of color have been in serious professional positions to feel comfortable about going out there. And I mean, this is a big risk. You know, this is tremendous risk that you're taking for not only yourself, but your family and your future. You know, uh, it's there's nothing in it that's guaranteed yep. to start an to start entrepreneurial business. So you have to really be motivated for that and have if you don't have a support network, then no, you're jumping off of a cliff. So for the most part, women really until probably about the 80s and and early 90s really didn't have you know th that risk uh you know gene you know at that point or feel that and the market wasn't saying you know <laughs> you, you you know for the most part you you didn't see women and minorities in numbers any critical mass in the whole entrepreneurial world um, you know, the stories also that the, the, you know, the people that came from India to come to school here and start businesses, you know, uh, but they started to, you know, they wanted to get jobs in HP and some of those others. And they were basically relevate, relegated to very low positions because they weren't the kind of people that they would have hired for senior, you know, management, you know, upward mobility roles. I mean, and they talk about that. And so in order to actually change that, they had to support each other. Yep. Yep. And I think that that's what we've learned. You, you used this word uh, twice in which you just in your answer there, which I think is one of the words I think is a is risk. Um, and that risk DN, breach gene, I think you're 100% right. And again, I think as a black man in my own journey, um, you aren't raised in a culture where you can take on that risk because you're raised in a, particularly in the black, you're raised to get a, you know, go to school, get a job, you know, like you said earlier, get the gold watch. And, you know, women are even, let's be blunt, even more, you know, get a job, get a family, 
you know, you know, that, get that married. Whole, yeah. And, and, and so it is taking on that risk, you know, that whole, you know, thinking, thinking about it differently. And we're trying to think about that differently. Even at Tedco, we, we, you know, you, we have this group called the network advisors, uh, which are a lot of talented individuals mm-hmm. that provide guidance. So one group of individuals that we're introducing into that group of network advisors, Amy is um, financial planners. So uh, to help them, these particularly folks with minorities never had a financial planner and to help them understand this risk that they're taking on, how to think about it, how to protect, how best to protect their family. And, and for the financial planners that we've introduced, they now have an E, they've, they've gotten free client access to people that they wouldn't have had you know, before. Right. But, but it's that type of a conversation that, that has to happen with them. Well, and there has to be this understanding. You know, as we started to see women making their own money, you know, and getting out there, you know, and and being the breadwinners for many families or single mothers in Mm -hmm. this, you began to see, you know, there needs a financial literacy first off. And then, you know, with, you know, with professional credentials come more responsibility and more opportunity and then when you start to see others that are willing, you know, and open to talking with you because they see the opportunity or they have, they're familiar with you. We used to say, the thing about Springboard in the beginning was we didn't want to do anything more early than just introduce people and get them familiar with talking to women about business. And once that happened, that cut out all of that. You know, mm-hmm. you don't look like somebody I would invest in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I thought it would take a couple of years and now it's 20 years and we're still <laughs> pushing that rock up a hill, but, but much less now. And, um, uh, you know, I, hopefully in my lifetime, uh, you know, that won't even be part of the part conversation. Of the yeah. yeah. I hear you. So I was, I, 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 as we were knew when I was going to talk to you, I never forget, I saw this, um, interview, it was on one of the local news channels in the last week or so, how COVID, um, kind of the old uh, necessity is the mother of invention, how COVID, uh, a number of women entrepreneurs, because of the staying at home and being mm-hmm. at home, have created small enterprises mm-hmm. uh, because of COVID to deal with, you know, various things around the kids, around whatever, whatever it is. I, I guess my, my question is around COVID and how is COVID, have you seen uh, even more creativity and more mm-hmm. innovation because of COVID coming coming through the doors of, of Springboard. You know, years ago, there one of our companies was called Thirty Second Mom, and it basically was thirty second clips of information that was, uh, you know, that was valuable to moms. So mm-hmm. while you're waiting for your kids to come out of school, you know, uh, or whatever, you know, whatever your situation was, you could watch this little clip on how to do this or how to do that. And that was the beginning of this whole idea. You know, now you have Coursera and, you know, tons of other, you know, online education things. But when you started to look at where people get their information, you know, it's not all from the office. Mm -hmm. It's not all, you know, you you don't have to travel 
to learn things. <laughs> as you as you discovered. <laughs> right. You, you just, you know, you can learn stuff at home now and you could be equally as productive. And and now, you know, we always say women are great jugglers, you know, multitaskers. You know, now they can even be better multitaskers because they can be talking to you here. And at the same time, there's another tablet over there telling them <laughs> how to how to handle or what their schedule is for next. And uh, I'm not saying I'm really good at that, but um, uh, uh, but here's here's the dog. There he is. We knew you'd, we knew you'd make an appearance. What's going on, man? <laughs> What's going on? And you look until you got that look like, who the heck? <laughs> He's very curious. Exactly. Um, but but I think that that we're not going to go back to that, you know, the old way of doing things. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are going to want to do that. You know, a lot of people that feel comfortable with that. They like to partition their lives into that. But not everybody does that. And so I kind of look at this as this would be so interesting to see how these this new way of functioning is going to change all of our lives and the way we do business. Think about, you know, kids in school, you know, they are now acclimated to, you know, doing work at home or doing, you know, being being a lot freer to actually educate themselves in different ways. Um, and I and I'm excited to see what happens as a result. You know, I have to say I have two teenagers, one's a senior, one's a junior. And I thought we had seen the end of snow days, but they still took a snow day. <laughs> it was snow. I, so I, I was like, what happened? What what did what did I miss here? <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. And I thought, you're home. There's no snow day here. Well. I mean, uh, we heard that from the banks, too. You know, they were closed because it was a snow day. And I said, you know, virtual banking, we can handle it. But exactly. anyway, but I want to go back to something you just said, because I think you're right. I, 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 you know, I hear and you hear, hear this conversation about when do we get back to normal? And, and, and I will tell you that that bothers me because, if, you know, we're now all we've done with 2020 and 21 is kind of repeating 20 in, in, in many ways. And yeah, as a black man, I don't know if I want to go back to what was normal mm -hmm. because the definition of normal wasn't exactly great uh, for a lot of people. And, and so I think there is a new normal, just like we had a new normal come out of 9-11. We had a new normal came out of the, the, the economic recession. And so I think we have to accept the fact that there's going to be some new normalities that are, that are either being formed or will be formed uh, in this post-COVID uh, space. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's... It's a, a big disruption of the way we think things ought to be. And, you know, for me, you know, things weren't great before. I mean, they were okay, but they weren't great. I mean, we all have stories about, you know, that our families tell us or that we've experienced where, you know, there was a lot of discrimination or a lot of, you know, uh, ways in which we were excluded from things. And now, you know, I'm not going to say there's a level playing field, but I think it gives everybody an opportunity, you know, to try something different mm -hmm. or try a different way of doing things or learn differently or, you know, create new opportunities. I, I don't know, maybe it's because I hang around with the entrepreneurs all the time that I'm, you know, kind of a Pollyanna about all of this, but um, I have great hope that, you know, 
that more people will be engaged and more people will have opportunities that they didn't anticipate before, you know, because they weren't, they didn't see it or they didn't have access. And, um, you know, and maybe we'll, you know, it's like in that, that Malcolm Gladwell book, Blink, you know, Blink. where they did their, uh, their uh, interviews of new candidates for the orchestra behind, yep. you know, behind the curtain. Uh, you don't, you know, all you're looking for is quality. All you're looking for is the best. And yep. doesn't matter who's playing it. It matters what it sounds like. And yep. um and how it's, no, I love Malcolm Gladwell. I'm, I, that's a great analogy. But but finish your Pollyanna. So let's you know you know you know put the put the crystal ball in, in five years from now. Five years as we're 2026, you know 27. You know where we obviously we're past this pandemic and preferably not into another one, but we might be. But what does that look like yeah. for you? I used to have a big crystal ball on all of this stuff. Um, I, I you know. I'm, I've been so overwhelmed with what I don't anticipate, mm. you know, 20 years of what, you know, I say that I'm on this journey with all 800 of my companies because I'm fascinated with how it evolves. And I if anybody could have said to me, you know, where are we going, where are you going to be in 20 years, you know, in 2000, where would we be in 2020? And we made all of these prog you know prognosis about oh we're you know we're going to be we're going our companies will have raised five billion dollars by this time and and you know yeah we were working with a telehealth company which we didn't talk about telehealth at the time you know well we'll see whether or not people are willing to get their blood pressure tested in a remote environment you know in a yeah. in an environment that you know they go to a cvs store and then you know gene therapy i mean what <laughs> is that you know it you know and why would anybody you know what we thought Zipcar would own the entire country and nobody even knows what Zipcar anymore because it's owned by Avis. And so it, you know, it's, it's now a part of Avis. There's no Zipcar, but there is an Uber and what's next after Uber. And so it, you know, I, I I've stopped sort of looking at the future and thinking mm. I'm just open to the whatever it is that comes across my desk, I'm just going to assume it okay. has great opportunity coming Hello. through, and and we'll see. You know, um, I, I'm not a big sci-fi person. I well, I wasn't in the past, but I'm beginning to appreciate the fact that a lot of the stuff that we saw 20 years ago or 30 years ago in sci-fi is now real. Exactly. The only thing I'm waiting for is that uh, Star Trek beam me up piece which i would love to have <laughs> you're right the, the holodeck room we're very close to having the holodeck room done and uh so yeah I, I wrote an article about that about the jetsons you know if you go back and look at the jetsons from the 60s how much of that technology that you it's saw real. the jetsons is, is has become has become real it was well, Amy, as we discussed we could we could you and i could chat and and i so thank you for everything that you have done and, and do are doing and will do uh, for women and for entrepreneurs and, and, and the support of Tedco and, and, and especially here in Maryland. So thank you again for talking to me today and talking to our audience today. Oh, I'm so excited to be working with you, Troy. Congratulations on taking the helm of Tedco and uh, count me in. Thank you. Look, everyone, thanks again. Uh, again, if you hadn't had a chance to go check out Springboard for you women entrepreneurs out there, 
this was meant for you. I hope someone out there, you know, I always believe that these techo talks talk to somebody. And so I hope that through this, somebody got inspired to go be uh, an entrepreneur today. And so, Amy, thank you. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this is, again, Troy Lamel Stovall, CEO of Tedco Talks. Thanks again, and see you next week. Thanks again for listening. And a special thank you to our guest, Amy Melman, for joining in today's discussion. For more information on Tedco and its activities, check us out at www.tedcomd.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, consider sharing and subscribing to Techco Talks.